Welcome to Psyched for Psychology, a Nystrom & Associates podcast. Our hosts, Michelle Iverson and Brett Cushing, are both licensed marriage and family therapists at Nystrom & Associates. Each week, they talk about all things mental health and therapy, and you get a chance to dive into specific psychology topics that help promote personal development and wellness. And now, here are your hosts, Michelle and Brett. Hello and welcome to another episode on Psyched for Psychology. My name is Brett Cushing. I am a licensed marriage and family therapist with Nystrom and Associates. And I'm Michelle Iverson, also a licensed marriage and family therapist at Nystrom. And thank you for joining our podcast, Psyched for Psychology. Episodes for our podcast will be released weekly on Tuesday mornings. You can also email us at podcast at nystromcounseling.com. We want to hear all of your feedback and comments, and we would love to hear ideas for upcoming episode topics that you would be psyched to hear us talk about. So we want to talk a little bit today about stress. Stress, highly relevant topic for us. Uh, To be human is to be stressed out. And we are going to be talking about this, providing you examples of what stress is, what it isn't, how do you know if you're stressed, what do I do if I'm stressed? And maybe it's one way we can kick this off is to help us understand getting in touch with stress is sort of like when you're driving your car, your car is going to have a dashboard and it's going to have all sorts of lights on it when something needs to be tended to. So an engine light might come on if you need to deal with an engine light or if you're getting low on oil or an oil change or if your air pressure is off or are often one that we see the most often and hitting us harder at the gas pump is that fuel light when that goes on. We can't ignore those things because if we do, the car is just not going to run very well. And so it is with stress. Our body sends us messages and if we're not paying attention, we're not going to run very well either. Can you relate to that at all? Oh, absolutely. I actually ran out of gas and ignored my gas warning light uh, in the backwoods and back roads of Maine, which is about probably one of the worst places you probably want to run out of gas at. No one nearby had a call friend to come pick me up. And so our car doesn't function, doesn't work, doesn't run, doesn't get us where we need to go when we are ignoring those lights. Wow, that sounds really something many of us can relate. I know I can relate to that too. And there's that sense of real frustration, vulnerability Mm -hmm. that goes along and that powerlessness. And it's interesting to draw that corollary because I think when we don't pay attention to stress in our lives, we tend to have all of those same kinds of feelings. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And so we wanted to talk a little bit about stress because this is such a relevant topic. And it's a topic that we talk about all the time with our clients. And one of the first things I like to talk about about with my clients is the idea of there can be good stress and there can be bad stress, which is shocking and surprising for a lot of people. Uh, We actually have terms for this um, in the psychology world. Um, Eustress is that good stress and distress is that bad stress. And so how do we know what's the difference between those two? Well, good stress, we're really looking at things that actually motivate you versus the bad stress, that distress is the stuff that's going to wear me out, make me anxious, make me shut down. So good example I use. I've, um, I work with a lot of people in school and in college, uh, having just enough of that good stress to help them to motivate, to get them to study for an exam. That can be a good thing for some people. 
but that can very easily tip over into bad stress territory. If you're becoming so stressed out about your exam and having a fear, feel, fear of failure that maybe you won't study at all or even do any of your homework. Boy, I can relate to that yes. part. Yes. I'm guessing you were more the you stress when it came to studying for an exam. Oh, but there'd be so many times where that would be good and that might motivate me, but that could tip over into mm. that bad stress territory a lot. Mm. Um, for example, uh, studying for a uh, exam, um, uh, it's a microbiology statistics, <laughs> which was not a particularly fun class. Um, very challenging. And one time I stayed up most of the night studying for that exam that started at five o'clock in the morning and lasted four hours. So good example of where that might have tipped over to bad stress territory. Yeah, and I bet if it, were, if it was a psychology <laughs> exam, you might have been kind of psyched for psychology exams and yes. maybe had that a bit of you stress with that. Yes, shout out to all my college psych professors because you were the best. <laughs> <laughs> so that's how we kind of talk about that with clients. And we want to talk with them too that bad stress can be short term, it can be long term. Both types of stress will cause an increase in your adrenaline and your cortisol, but the chronic bad stress can start to cause health issues for us. And we'll talk more about that in a little bit. Um, sometimes too, I like to talk with clients, your mindset, how you think about your stress can sometimes influence whether it's going to be good or bad. Um, we've talked about this before. When you listen to our mindset episode podcast, um, we had talked about stressors if we see them as being a challenge or if our brain is seeing them as a threat and how that will really affect your experience. And that's such a good point. It, we do have some control, I think, inherent with what you're saying as, as well, Michelle, is we have control over whether something is going to become stress in our lives. Because I hear people a lot of times say, I am so stressed, and they mm -hmm. talk about what they're stressed about. And there's a difference between the stress that they're feeling and the stressor. So stressors are those external events and issues that are going on. And just because I have something that is a stressor, which I'm experiencing, does not mean necessarily that it has to turn into stress. Mm -hmm. And so stressors are external. It's like a work deadline, or I'm worried about my child and how they're doing, or we have a wedding coming up, or we're going on vacation. If there's a death in the family, a move, those are all stressors. And so the question then I would pose to people who are listening is when you think of those different kinds of stressors, do you tend to categorize them as some are positive and some are negative? Are they positive or are they negative? Well, it really depends on the meaning we ascribe to them. Our meaning to them is what determines if that external stressor becomes stress in our lives. The meaning we attach to it then is our stress response. Our response is going to be to the meaning we have towards these events in our lives. So for instance, my wife and I just went on vacation. Vacation can be a great thing. It's a lot of fun. And notice how stressful it is. Mm -hmm. Now, some people can approach going on vacation and it's a stressor. And some people see it more as you stress of, hey, this is great. We're going on vacation. Other people might view vacation and leading up to vacation as distress because I have to do this. I got to pack. I got to get this ready. I got to finish up at work. Oh, I'm feeling stressed just talking about it. So notice the meaning that we ascribe to the stressor is going to determine whether or not something's going to become 
stress that we experience. And that, that meaning then, however we attach meaning to it, is going to also affect our our body's response to it. Mm-hmm. What we're going to do behaviorally, what we're experiencing physiologically. And so one important thing just to notice is that there is a, uh, excuse me, a distinction between stressors and stress based upon the meaning we ascribe to it mm-hmm. and then how that meaning affects the rest of our body. You know, it's really funny that we started to talk about uh, psych professors because this is actually a story related to that. Uh, when we were learning about those physiological responses to stress. I had a psych professor. You you go in and you get your syllabus for the first day and you find out all the books you have to purchase that are crazy expensive. There's one book we had to purchase that was not expensive. It was very, very affordable. And the title of that book was Why Zebras Don't Get Ulcers. Mm. So I'm going into this class thinking, but wait, I'm taking a psychology class. Why am I reading about zebras not getting ulcers? What kind of sense does that make? And sure enough, this amazing psych professor uh, recommended, we read this book as a part of class, and I often recommend this book for other people too, because this is related to psychology, and it's a psychology of stress. So this book is written by a Stanford biologist. His name's Robert Sapolsky. He writes about stress and he writes about stress-related diseases. And so he talks about how zebras deal with short-term stress. For example, if they were running away from a lion versus how humans experience chronic stress, Mm. like worrying about school or my job. And that animals are not likely to get the stress-related conditions and health conditions that humans get, like ulcers and high blood pressure, because the hormones being secreted that help those animals with a fight-or-flight response to get away from predators end up ending a lot sooner. Versus with humans, those hormones don't turn off. They stay on with chronic stress And when they're happening in high amounts over a long period of time, that's how humans end up getting those stress-related diseases. He's had a really interesting quote, too. He said this, when we worry or experience stress, our body turns on the same physiological responses that an animal's does, but we do not resolve conflict in the same way through fighting or fleeing Over time, this activation of a stress response makes us sick. So in short, zebras don't get ulcers and they don't get anxiety, but people do. That's really interesting. I want to get the book, too, because that sounds uh, so incredibly practical. And it's a good distinction you're bringing up, too, between acute stress and chronic stress. So it Mm -hmm. sounds like humans, we are susceptible to that Mm -hmm. chronic Stress, And then what is so uh, really detrimental for us is that our stress can be good. Mm-hmm. You stress, even distress, because it activates our body's fight or flight response. And, mm-hmm. and that's that's okay. It's just when there's this chronic stress, our body has no time mm-hmm. to relax yeah. and, and recover from that. So it's interesting because some people have a very stressful event and then they, they don't have one. And mm-hmm. so they have highs and then they have lows that accompany that. And then there's a period of recovery for years, maybe. Mm-hmm. And then they might have another peak, and then they recover for a long time. And we think those really difficult stressors are so damaging. But what's important is that there's this recovery time. Where 
Whereas some people may not have as high of a stressor in their life and a stress response, but because it's sort of this unrelenting crisis in their life, they, they go from one thing to the next thing to the next thing. And that's how many people live our lives today, right? Because we're, we're just go, 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 go. I got to do, I got to do. And we're not spiking really high, but we're continually in this chronic mode of maybe lower level stress, like a like a small fever, you know, uh, but we never have any time to recover. And mm-hmm. that is what leads to that chronic stress and the effects that you're talking about here mm-hmm. too, which okay. we need to be really aware of. So let's, uh, let, let me talk a little bit more about that, about yeah. how would we know, like what are these gauges that we talked about at the beginning on our dashboard, so to speak, wouldn't it be nice if we had a dashboard that we could sort of look at and that gave us a readout yes. on, hey, this is how you're doing. You are really struggling. In fact, I have something on my watch and it on my smartwatch, and it does tell me every morning what my stress level is. And I take no stock in it whatsoever. I have no idea how it reads that. So uh, we do have something a little bit more reliable uh, that we can uh, mm-hmm. try to tune into, and it lets us know. And maybe for people who are listening, you can do that and mm-hmm. sort of ask yourself, okay, wh- what are my gauges telling me? And so what are those gauges? Well, one of them is your emotional symptoms. Emotional symptoms in response to stressors where we're experiencing this uh, stress in our lives that, that can really be uh, damaging to us is we become easily agitated or frustrated or moody. We also might be feeling overwhelmed easily. We lose control of our emotions. We have a hard time relaxing and quieting our mind. I, I notice when I can't watch a TV show for 30 minutes uh, and I'm distracted, I'm like, boy, my mind is going, going, going. Um, also, when we're feeling bad about ourselves and we're feeling lonely and we're having thoughts of, of being worthless uh, and depressed, and we find ourselves avoiding others. Now, those are some of those emotional symptoms that we need to be paying attention to, so to speak, on our dashboard. There's also physical symptoms of stress. When we have low energy, notice all the energy drinks that we have available to us Mm -hmm. today and how coffee shops, which I absolutely love, are popping up and Mm -hmm. they're everywhere. So it shows us maybe we are stressed because when we have low energy, we're getting headaches, we have upset stomachs, chest pain, insomnia, cold, sometimes even uh, nervous shaking or ringing in the ears, dry mouth, clenching our jaw, grinding our Mm -hmm. teeth. These are all physiological symptoms of stress. And then there's cognitive symptoms such as worrying when we kind of can't turn off the worry. And when we can't turn off the worry, especially when the stressor is gone, now it's turning into anxiety, which I think you were alluding to mm-hmm. you know, in the beginning there. But when we can't stop worrying and when we're constantly worrying, we call it kind of ruminating on thoughts over and over again or having racing thoughts, one thing to the next. We find ourselves becoming forgetful and disorganized and having difficulty focusing or we just have poor judgment and we tend to become pessimistic. And then lastly, there's these behavioral symptoms. When we find ourselves having changes in our appetite, maybe we're eating more or we're not eating less or we're eating less. I tend to eat more when I'm stressed out. (laughs) So uh, maybe I'm stressed out all the time because I'm always eating more, it seems. Also procrastinating, avoiding responsibilities. You kind of touched on that with with the exam kind of example there too. Also when we're turning to mood altering substances. And when we think of that, of course, we think of alcohol and other drugs, but let's not forget caffeine 
And even carbohydrates can be mood altering for us. So notice if we're going towards those things more and if we're having more nervous behaviors such as nail biting, fidgeting, pacing, things like that. These are all examples of what we want to pay attention to and sort of read as our dashboard, these physiological, emotional, behavioral, cognitive symptoms to say, hey, you might be a little stressed out here. Mm -hmm. So let's talk a little bit more about when stress that we're experiencing, which is natural and normal to all of us, when does that become anxiety? Mm -hmm. Because I, I've read that about a third of us at some time in our life are going to be experiencing anxiety how do we know, Michelle, when we've turned to that? A third of us are going to experience anxiety. Do you know how many people actually seek treatment, though? I'm afraid to find uh, out. <laughs> of that third, only about 37%. Oh, my. I didn't know that. Right. So we got two-thirds of people not getting help for when they're experiencing this. And sometimes, too, maybe because we think, I'm just stressed, and we haven't recognized or realized that this has actually turned into anxiety, right? Or that there's help for that too. That sounds like uh, maybe another episode for us to talk yes. about. What, what are these barriers that, right. that lead up to us, that keep us from getting help? I know yeah. from, I, I'm listening to that and I think, yeah. well, as a man, I don't need help. I'm fine, right? So I'm thinking maybe that's another episode for us to talk Absolutely. about. What are these barriers that mm -hmm. we kind of fall into that keep us from getting the help? that we could really benefit from. Right. And so we want everybody to think of if they're really struggling with that, you know, is this stress or is this anxiety? Think of your stress as being something that you're reacting to right now and happening right now versus anxiety being more of a reaction to what might happen in the future. We absolutely can have times where stress will then kind of influence or cause anxiety and both of these, separate from each other, can become a problem in your life. Stress is caused by a trigger, but that anxiety, that won't go away, even if the stressor mm. is no longer there. Think of anxiety as almost like a response to a false alarm. So, for example, if you showed up at work and you somebody just kind of gave you a look, <laughs> we don't know any meaning behind the look, but you just felt like you got an off look. You might start to get all of that physiological response of a stress response, just like Brett had described, because you're telling yourself things that might not be true. Like, my boss is upset with me. I'm going to get fired. The blood's flowing. Your adrenaline's pumping. Your body becomes in a state of fight or flight, but there's no predator. Hmm. in the bushes. Yes. I, I think of that in terms of the analogy I use with some of my clients is that mm -hmm. of a, a car alarm. Mm -hmm. And, you know, sometimes if let's say my car has an alarm and if I'm sitting here talking with you mm -hmm. and suddenly my car alarm goes off, I don't jump up and just mm -hmm. run out as if there's a serious issue. What do I do? I'm mm -hmm. going to check the facts, yes. so to speak. I'm going to take a look out the window and say, oh, yeah, it's two kids playing with a Nerf football, everything's fine, mm -hmm. you know, I'm totally chill. But I'm, I'm not going to have this startled response to it mm -hmm. where I'm kind of this heightened uh, alarm system going off in my body I have to react to. Now, if I check the facts and I see somebody's down there with a crowbar, mm -hmm. absolutely, I am up and I'm into action. 
And when we're having anxiety, like you so aptly said, the stressor can be gone and we're still feeling it. Our body mm-hmm. is in this high alert status and there is help for that too. And yes. we do want to, to talk about this a little bit. And there could be some ways to prevent it too. Yes. So should we talk about yes, that? Yes, let's All right. talk about that. Let's talk about prevention. And you're going to also talk a little bit about relief, you yes. know, here in the end. So let's talk about prevention. And you alluded to this, really, the thoughts. <laughs> really, a lot of it starts, uh, the difficulty we're having with our stressors, it occurs between our ears. It's how we think about it. And so think about Minecraft. I really appreciate Minecraft. There's not a lot of video <laughs> games I'm a big fan of, but Minecraft I really appreciate. And notice for those who play Minecraft, there's an ability to construct something. Yes. Then there's also an ability to deconstruct it and reconstruct something else. Yep. And we don't realize this. This is a really important part that I hope people take away from this is that we have the power to change this. If I have the power to construct something in my thoughts, I have the same power to deconstruct my thoughts, reconstruct another way to think about Mm -hmm. something. So I'll go back to vacation, like I talked about in the beginning. I might be looking at vacation that's up and coming and say, oh, I'm so stressed. I got to get this done. I have to get that done. I have to Mm -hmm. do this. And I'm thinking about it in just this one manner, in these terms that are negative. I construct that. Mm-hmm. I develop that. Nobody else is developing that. The idea of vacation, vacation is neutral. It's not positive or negative. It's just an idea. So that I'm really ascribing to it all of these negative aspects. And I'm totally uh, ignoring that there's going to be a lot of positive benefits mm-hmm. to it. And so I don't have a balanced thought about vacation. Now, what I need to do is become aware of that realize I've constructed it in solely this negative framework and I can deconstruct that and reconstruct it in a more balanced way that yes, it is stressful now and I'm going to have so much fun. It's going to be so relaxing. It's going to be rejuvenating. Mm -hmm. So when we think about prevention and relief, one of the first things is to consider our thoughts. And remember, we have the power because we're the ones who created and constructed our thoughts about this in the first place. Second, we want to try to eliminate stressors. What are the stressors in your life? Some things we can just get rid of. Some things we can push away and come Mm -hmm. back to later in life. So even if our thoughts aren't providing a lot of help, we can actually eliminate stressors in our lives. Mm -hmm. So you might want to think about that if you're listening. What can I do? What, What are some stressors in my life I can offload maybe onto other people? I can delegate or I can just choose not to do. There's a lot of things we can actually get rid of. I think of clutter in our lives. A lot of times we we kind of go through our homes and we think, why are we holding on to this? This is crazy. We haven't done this, you know, or, or even looked at this for five years. And then we say, oh, let's just keep it here anyway. And mm-hmm. we do that a lot in our thoughts too. And a lot of our, the stressors we carry around, we carry around with us and we don't really need to do that anymore. So get rid of those. Also, relaxation and relaxation of our muscles in particular because we carry stress a lot of times in our muscles our muscles uh, can tighten up and so you're going to be leading us in that in just a minute meditation which is closely related to that there are so many meditation videos you can Mm -hmm. listen to and watch on youtube to help you because a lot of times we're stressed we're focused on that thing that's out of outside of us or out of our control Meditation gets us back into the present moment where I actually have some sort of control. Also, our sleep. One of our high vulnerability factors to emotional distress is lack of sleep. And if we're really functioning on anything less than seven hours of sleep, 
research shows that we are beginning to get compromised and not operating at our full capacity. Mm-hmm. Also, we want to get active, move around. And I know you've been doing a lot of that. You've been doing a lot of running and so proud of you. you <laughs> ran 10 miles uh, right before her birthday coming up on Tuesday <laughs> next week. Happy birthday, Michelle. So, we'll be sharing how old I am, though. <laughs> <laughs> that might cause some stress for you. Might cause some stress. It might be stressful. So we don't want to go there. But we want to wish you a happy birthday. Thank you. And acknowledge that, yeah, you've been running and you've been active and that is so good. It's it's so helpful with our stress. And as we just modeled, humor, laughter. We did an episode on our podcast mm-hmm. about laughter. Is it really the best medicine? And so you can go ahead and listen to that. But those are all things that you can do to deal with uh, the stress, cope with it, even prevent it from happening. So we think about prevention, but then we also think about relief. What do I do when the stress is already here? Um, it, it, especially too, if I'm feeling overwhelmed with it. Uh, I like to think about how do we relieve that stress? There's a really nice metaphor of our stress bucket. So if you think about a bucket and you think about all these different water spigots, you know, like the spigot attaches to the side of your house. My son was messing with ours the other day, <laughs> almost created a bit of a mess. But uh, if you think about those spigots and you can imagine a bunch of these different spigots hanging over your buckets, there's water coming from them, from all these different areas of stress or points of stress in our life. And they're filling water into our bucket and that's not going to feel good with the stress bucket. We want to get that water out. And so it's about thinking about not only about what's putting water into my bucket, but also how can I attach new spigots to the side of my bucket so then I can release and let that water out. And so we talk about, too, that when it comes to that relief, some people are using spigots that might not be the healthiest or Mm. the best spigots to use. So I always want people to think about that. Am I using a spigot? that's also attached to a hose that pours the water right back into my bucket again. We would Mm. call that recycled stress. We don't Mm. want that recycled stress. I actually talk about this with a lot of clients who might be self-medicating with drugs and alcohol, Mm. right? That would be a great example of how someone is using something because they really want to get that water out of their bucket, but then the water flows right back in again. And so instead, we want to kind of work with people to figure out other types of spigots that will just drain the water out, and there's no recycling of that water. And so we can think about what are those spigots going to be, and there are going to be a lot of things that actually Brett already mentioned, a lot of things that we do preventatively for stress, we can even do if we're even in the thick of it, right? We're talking about the meditation, the breathing, um, working on meeting our basic needs, but also doing things like just connecting with loved ones. Like how many times have you sat down with somebody and was able to be vulnerable with them and poured your heart out and felt a whole lot better afterwards, right? Absolutely. Yeah, sense of relief, like you're talking about. How do we relieve stress? And that's the first thing that comes to my mind is, That sense of relief, like people, you leave when you have those incidences and you say, Mm -hmm. boy, that just felt great. I needed that. Right. Sometimes that's what we're doing as therapists, too. I might have a client come in and them talking with me is like that's we added a spigot to their bucket Mm -hmm. and they were able to get a lot, maybe not all, but a lot of that water out just by talking through it and just having somebody who can share that with them. And even just doing things like resolving problems in our life, in our relationships, 
changing our mindset. Again, all things as therapists we can help with. Well, you know, you talked about this recycled stress mm-hmm. and it made me think of how many thoughts we have a day. And I've heard that we have something like 77,000 thoughts and conversations in our head every day. And about Mm -hmm. 70, over 70% of those are negative. So that's like Mm 52,000 negative thoughts that are occurring in our mind every day. And of those 52,000, 90% of those are recycled. The Mm -hmm. same thoughts we're recycling over and over and over again. It's kind of like muscle Mm -hmm. reflex. It's just happening over and over again. And so much of our stress is determined by our thoughts and the meaning we ascribe to those stressors that you really underscored that recycled stress a lot of times happens Mm -hmm. right in how we're thinking. And we have power over that. We do. So what we wanted to do to wrap up our talk on stress today was to, playing off of that bucket metaphor, give you maybe a new spigot or a spigot that maybe you've heard of before but haven't had a chance to try yet or haven't done for a long time. It's an exercise that we do a lot with a lot of our clients in session. It's called progressive muscle relaxation. So this relates to what Brett was talking about before. We hold a lot of stress in our muscles. When I do this exercise on myself, I can notice all of my tension and stress is right in my shoulders. So I feel a million times better as soon as I hit that area in this exercise. Um, We're going to do a slightly shortened form of this today, uh, just so we have enough time to do this for you. But we really want you to just listen, sit back or lay down, close your eyes, and follow along with us as we work on teaching you how to do this skill. When we do this, um, we are going to be thinking about different muscles in your body. Um, We are going to have you tense those muscles, but never to the point of strain. There will be no getting hurt as we are doing this exercise together. Of course, if you have any injuries or pain, you can go ahead and skip that area. So what we're going to do is we're going to get comfortable. We're going to take some deep breaths and just kind of notice that feeling of air filling your lungs. As we go along, if you'd like to do some deep breathing as we do this, you may do so as well. Each time you take in a breath, you're going to fill your lungs, hold the air, and slowly release the breath and imagine the feeling of tension leaving your body. You're going to first move all of your attention to your feet. You can tense your feet by curling your toes in the arch of your foot. Hold on to the tension. Just notice what that looks like. And release the tension in your foot. And notice that feeling of relaxation. Next, you'll move to your lower leg. Tense the muscles in your calves. Hold them tightly. Pay attention to the feeling of tension and release the tension from your lower legs. Notice that feeling of relaxation and remember to keep breathing. Next, we're going to move on up to your upper legs, stomach and chest. You can do this by kind of sucking your stomach in a little bit, squeezing holding that tension, and then release. Allow your body to go limp and notice that feeling of relaxation. Next, tighten the muscles in your back by bringing your shoulders together as much as you can behind you. 
and then release that tension from your back, feeling that tension slowly leaving your body, and notice how different your body feels when you allow it to relax. Now we're going to do my favorite. Tense your arms all the way from your hands, all the way up to those shoulders. You can make a fist and squeeze all the way up your arm. And then release. Notice the feeling of relaxation in your fingers, your hands, your arms, your shoulders. And just notice how your arms feel limp and at ease. We're going to do your neck and your head. Tense your face and your neck by distorting all those wonderful little muscles around our eyes and our mouth. And again, release and notice that feeling of relaxation. Finally, your entire body. We've got your feet, your legs, your stomach, chest, arms, head, neck, tensing without straining, holding that tension. Now release. Allow that whole body to go limp. Pay attention to the feeling of that relaxation and how different it is from the feeling of tension. Now you can slowly wake your body up, moving your muscles, adjusting your arms and legs, stretch, and open your eyes when you're ready. Thank you. I feel more relaxed myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, when you did the uh, tightening up of the arms and yes. hands, I was doing that. It, it was almost as if I could feel all the tension coming out of my mm-hmm. arms through my fingertips and leaving my body. It was just a, a great experience. And I don't know about everybody else. I'm ready to take a nap. <laughs> so That's how you can hopeful. tell it works. Yeah. <laughs> well, we hope this has worked for you and hope that this whole podcast has been uh, something that will work for you in dealing with your everyday stress. Again, we want to thank you for joining us today. Please make sure to like, subscribe, and share our Psyched for Psychology podcast. We will have new episodes being released every Tuesday morning, so you can follow us on any major podcast streaming platform. Please email us as well, your comments to podcast at nystromcounseling.com. Let us know any topics you'd love to hear about. You can also learn all about Nystrom Associates and all of our available mental health services by going to nystromcounseling.com. Thank you so much for joining us today. We're psyched to talk to you soon. Thank you as always for listening and please be sure to leave us a review. While this podcast can't be a replacement for therapy, we hope you enjoyed our discussion today and join us again next time. Nice German Associates is always available to those who are struggling. If you find yourself in need of support and help, please check us out at nicestermcounseling.com.